0: Welcome to a very short version, a combo off the post preview episode of Soccer Chat. I am your podcasting producer, Adam, joined by one of our two main hosts, Alex Fordney, as our other one is still in transit to his new home closer to the stadium. Can't blame him for that. Alex, thanks for uh, jumping on right after your vacation. No problem. All right, so let's just jump right in. Uh, obviously, this is a very packed week. We have uh, you know, the, the game this weekend to discuss. We have a game literally tomorrow, and you're probably, if you're listening to this, first thing on Wednesday morning today uh, versus Richmond, and that's what we're going to cover here. So let's jump right in and talk about that game that uh, was held in front of a sold-out crowd there at CHI. What were your first impressions, Alex? So, the stats are
1: there. It's an eight or nine game unbeaten run against Greenville. It's about six matches plus scoreless. And when you watch the teams and you try to figure out why Greenville has been able to have that kind of a run against us, there's not any obvious reason. There's not a, oh, this is just clearly a superior team. And that's what makes all of this the most frustrating for me is, you know, every game that we play against Greenville is close. We play, uh, sometimes it doesn't feel like it's necessarily our absolute best, but we always feel like we're playing with them. And if a couple of breaks went our way, we'd come away victorious in the game. Uh, And then it just doesn't seem to happen right now. And it's, you know, I'm sure it's really frustrating to the players. You could see after the final whistle blew the frustration, not just on Jimmy O'Blade's face, but I could see, you know, players as the game ended that were incredibly frustrated. Uh, This is a team that they know they want to beat because they know they can. They know that they are on that level with Greenville, who's been successful for three years. Uh, They know that they can beat them. Uh, and it's just another game where we didn't quite execute the way that we wanted. And a couple of bad breaks went against us. And we found ourselves on the wrong end of a one nothing shutout.
0: Yeah. And for me, they don't, whenever we play Greenville, I, you'd have a hard time convincing me that going into the game versus Greenville, we were the leading scoring team. Like Mm -hmm. it seems like that team disappears when we play Greenville and I haven't dug into the stats um, partly because I was also on vacation this weekend, but I would be intrigued to see what our goal differential is versus everyone else in the, like, if you were to just take away our, like everyone's games versus Greenville, like if Greenville didn't exist, would we lead the league in goal differential because those games just hurt, right? It's always like one, nothing loss, zero, zero tie. One nothing loss, zero zero. Time. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just not our team. Like, we're typically a high scoring team. You know, we played two games versus Greenville so far this year. So, two of our eight games. In the other six games, we've scored thirteen goals. Like that, that that's that's a big difference: zero goals to to thirteen. Right, averaging, you know, more than two goals a game versus no goals at all. And, you know, obviously a big part of the reason that we didn't get a goal this game had a lot to do with the fact that we didn't execute on a penalty kick. And, uh, you know, those are typically 90 90 percent of the time you're going to make you're going to score in a penalty kick situation. What did you think of of who who was taking it? Did that catch you off guard? And, And what about the shot itself?
1: Um, it was a little surprising. You know, you, you look at all of the goal scorers that we have on the field uh, when the penalty was being taken. There was Rafa Minskin, there was Juan Galindrez, uh, there, I believe Ray Ortiz was still out there. Um, and, you know, you never you don't normally think of Wally as the offensive player. He's, he's scored a couple goals in his career with the Red Wolves, so it's not impossible. Uh, one of those goals that he scored was way back in the first season at uh, at CCS, the high school where we played, uh, he took a penalty and scored. So it's not that he has never taken a penalty for the team. Um, but I was a little surprised to see him take the ball and set it down. Uh, but when he stepped up to it, I wasn't thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I can't believe they have Wally taking it, if that so makes I- sense.
0: I'm going to show the, the clip that was part of Goal of the Week. Um, it's the only clip I could find. I'm going to show this real quick just because I think it's it's interesting for two reasons, and I'll outline why. For those of you that are just listening to us on the podcast, I'll do my best to verbalize why, um, but then you can see it yourself if you catch us on the YouTube stream. So here it is real quick.
1: Um. Up steps for Luffy. And it's saved by
0: Christensen. So... It's very short, but my, my reason I bring it up and, and, and what finds it interesting is the whole point of the stutter step, which which Wally puts in there, is to figure out which way the keeper is going to dive. And he gets it. Like he does the stutter step and the keeper begins to lean right and he still goes right. That, to me, is the epitome of why I can't stand the stutter step. Because if the whole point of it is to create a situation where you find out which way the keeper is going to go. You have to be able to adjust and quickly go to your side. Instead, you end up with a little bit less power because you don't have quite the buildup. Am I overthinking it, or do you agree? I've never liked the
1: stutter step. Uh, As a former goalkeeper, I feel like it goes against the spirit of the rules that say you have to continue your forward momentum. Uh, And so there's a lot of that. Uh, As a Chelsea supporter... I absolutely hate watching Jorginho do his little like hop step gallop thing that he does before he kicks a ball. And if the goalkeeper, like all you have to do against Jorginho is not move because once he does his little hop, he has zero power and you can just walk over and pick the ball up. So as long yeah. as you don't dive. Um, and so, yeah, I'm I'm not a huge fan of the stutter step. Of course, People don't play us to pay us to play soccer for a living, so there may be <laughs> something in there that we we don't really understand as not being players. Uh, when you come up to take that, uh, and and so yeah, it was just uh, it didn't get executed well. It it changed the game in giving them a save. We looked the more dangerous team, and it wasn't far after that when Greenville managed to to score their goal.
0: And I think – and I'm going to show you their goal here in just a second. I think the other thing I want to mention here is um, it's – I really think a lot of it comes down to, for me, the power that's lost. Because if you go back and you look at the Galindres PK, the keeper guessed right on him too. But because yeah. he had so much power behind it, decisive shot, that was admittedly very well taken to the outside bar, right? But even then, that – extra power and and decisiveness a lot of times even if they get guessed the right way you're still going to score on them like as a former keeper myself like you're guessing to give yourself a better chance but you're still even if you guess right you're still in the you're still in the minority on getting that because the guy goes high and you guess right and you guess low you guess high he goes low Like, like there's so many other things that even guessing the direction doesn't necessarily even get you there like you're not guaranteed to stop it from the guess so yeah. I'm not going to harp on that too much, but you're right. Right after that, we unfortunately saw this build-up from Greenville, and I, I do have some some thoughts.
1: The SXM I listened to, to the final 30 minutes of the UEFA Champions League match on XM this afternoon. As Labovitz now is through, and he finds the back of the net. Jacob Labovitz with his first professional goal, completely against the run of play, and the.
0: So as is tradition, the Greenville homer is completely oblivious to what's happening on the field. Um, But unfortunately, so was our defense. Um, This is another one of those examples where I felt like our defense got complacent and just allowed them to basically pass it right between the two of them and and go for goal. Very similar to, to previous goals we've seen where it just seems like we have one or two of these lapses that really have consistently hurt us Um, what are your thoughts
1: I thought Nico Cardona in his start had a really good game except for this one play where you see him kind of miss time a jump on heading that ball and, and maybe he should not have been trying to play that out of the air and should have just kind of retreated to to defend the player that the pass was made to um, but also you see Jorge Luna take a bad angle that allows him to get into the box and, and take a shot. And so here again, I think as he's moving away and he shoots it to the far post, I really, really would have loved to have seen Carlos be able to make the save on that Carlos Avila. We talked about why Tor Saunders wasn't starting in the last game, um, I don't want to dump on Carlos again. I don't think he's been terrible. Um, we we kind of argued back and forth. We have for the last couple episodes about whether it's the goalkeeping, whether it's the defense. Yeah. To me, a lot of it is a yes and. Um, yeah, I think, I think this is the not, trifecta. Yeah, the keepers are not coming up with the saves in big moments like we were used to with Alex Mangles and Tim Trill. The defense is also having lapses where teams are getting into really dangerous areas kind of against the run of play. uh, And we're all sitting there shaking our heads wondering what happened. Um, And there's just far too many times that they're, you know, in the center of the field. We are getting beat by fast forwards. There's good speed in League One. You have to be on your guard. You have to be communicating. And I feel like that may be what's been the biggest problem is people are not talking on that back line, letting guys know where the opposing players are to make sure that everyone is accounted for. And we keep getting burned and we're leaking points. Uh, It's not a time to panic, but it is something that needs to get fixed pretty soon uh, if we want to continue to be a team that's challenging for hosting semifinals.
0: Yeah, and I think I think you're 100% right. Like it's not a time to panic. Um the team at the top, Charlotte Independence have had a good season so far. Um they're 3 points clear of us. Their goal differential is actually less than ours. So that's not a time to panic. North Carolina, um uh, 2 points ahead of us, Central Valley 2 points ahead of us. None of them running away on goal differential. Um uh, yeah, I mean, even the teams that don't have the games, right? Hailstorm has two games in hand. They're three point three points behind us. I don't see them winning both those games in hand because they haven't really shown that they're that quality of a team. Poor coaching. Um, Union Omaha, I, th- I think they've got a different focus right now. And the, the longer they get to sit around and all of us not run away with it, the more likely it is that they make a run at the end of the season um, because their focus is – on the U S open cup, which will now, you know, not really be a distraction until the end of June. So we could see them make a little bit of a run here. Right. Um, and and that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I I feel like we've missed some opportunities that we didn't need to miss. And a big part of that is, is the leaking in the defense that we didn't expect. Like you don't expect to see those type of issues from a Jimmy O'Blade, a coach team that hasn't been the case. Um, and I do wonder, like, what is it that keeps Tor from coming in? Because I think it was a trifecta here. I don't want to put this all on Carlos, because so I don't think it's all on Carlos, but he also doesn't come out to cut the angle on this play. He doesn't force him to shoot the near near shot, which is a lot harder because that's where our defender is, right? He allows the open side on the other side, so there is a big miss by him there. But as you pointed out when we were watching this, there is something that he brings to the game that I'm not giving him enough credit for, and that is how wonderful he is at starting things from the back he his placement of the ball whether it's on a a punt or a, a throw or anything he's really good at that and so maybe coach looks at him and says that's more important to me than some of the other stuff and he's putting more pressure on his central defenders to step up because I think the central defenders do their job correctly there they don't score on us mm-hmm. so I can't really put that on Carlos but I also want to say Social Finters aren't going to be perfect, and that's when Carlos has to step up. It's a combo of both, and we're seeing that failure, unfortunately, happen to both groups at the same time, frequently early in the season. We
1: talked to Jimmy Obleda. I think it was towards the end of last season, and he talked about Daniel Navarro as kind of an unsung hero. The work that he did as a center back for the Chattanooga Red Wolves last year didn't really show up on the stat sheet. Um, he didn't get himself named to team of the week very often because I guess because he wasn't scoring goals, which is exactly what your team of the week central defenders need to do uh, because they just (laughs) look at the stat sheet at the end of the games uh, instead of watching them. Um, So he was, he was kind of an unsung hero. And I think the way that the beginning of the season has gone is proof of that concept that we are really missing Daniel Navarro Uh, He has, you know, he's been injured. It's not anything that's anyone's fault. Uh, No one wants to be on that field more than Daniel Navarro. No one wants to see him back more than he wants to be back, believe me. Um, And so,
0: And he will be back this year.
1: He's probably got another month or so, I think. Uh, And then you're probably going to see him, you know, come off the bench a few times for probably two or three weeks to kind of make sure they want to be careful about that. Um, but yeah, he, he his return, uh, We're I'm looking forward to, I think it's really going to help solidify some things. And the fact that we've had to kind of change stuff around here again, a center back pairing relies a lot on understanding of each other yeah. in communication. And we have not been able to have that same consistent pairing and, in the back like we had Navarro and Ramos last year.
0: And we're and not going to. Solid. For the next few months, because of national team um, duty, which is well deserved, but it's also going to, you know, create some some turnover there with Cardona being pulled pulled in. Um, I don't know if he's captaining uh, his his Puerto Rican team again or not, but he's definitely been called up for national duty again, along with a, a number of other players from League One. I think there are four total League One players on that team that are going to be playing in the Nations League for for them, but. That's going to create more disruption, and before we get before we get Navarro back, so you know that's a little worrisome. Now, for those of you that are new to League One, or or have, have traditionally been someone who watches a lot of the either USL League Two or MPSL style, where it's it's a six to eight week thing, you know, when we talk about he's not going to be back until July, fully back until August, you're still talking. Say he comes back mid mid August, you're you're still talking like twelve games right, before playoffs start. So there's still lots of time for him to come back, create that pairing with Cordona, you know, and really create a quality backing there, allow Luna to be able to be used in a way that he was used last year, which was very effective, right, Um, and and see some strength come back uh, to that defense. But until we see that, it's always going to be a little bit worrisome. A 0-0 or a 1-0 game you don't feel comfortable in uh, until we start seeing more consistency out of that back line. All right. So let's, you know, we're, we're trying to keep this one short, but, you know, I can't shut up. So that's what's causing the issues here. But as we move into, you know, today's game, tomorrow's game, depending on when you're listening to this, the, the game on Wednesday in Richmond, Richmond's currently sitting three points behind us. They are a, a goal differential, one goal differential difference. Um, their recent games haven't gone. Terrible, but they haven't gone great, right? They lost to North Carolina two-one. They tied Union one-one. Um, they got you know boat raced in the Open Cup to Charlotte, but that's an MLS team. Um, they lost to Ford Madison. Uh, so, but they you know they've beat Charlotte Independence, who's currently top of the table. So, what is your thoughts on Richmond as you look at this team as we go into this game?
1: Um, they're a good team. You can't sleep on them. You can't take a break. Um, But I think it's going to be very similar to when they came to Chattanooga. Uh, We did an excellent job containing Emiliano Terzaghi. If you can contain and keep Emiliano Terzaghi from getting in those dangerous spots that tend to be what sink us, uh, you can handle playing against Richmond. Um, And so we did in the game where they came here. uh, We could have won it 2-0 except for a good save by Fitzy. Good tickets, and yeah. um, I mean, I think it's the same sort of thing. The, our, our team is coming off a loss to Greenville, quite angry. Northern Colorado can tell you what that's like uh, having an angry red wolves coming off of a loss against Greenville. And so <laughs> I think they're going to be ready to go. Carrera Garcia is going to be uh, rested and primed, uh, you know, possibly looking to, to score off of a, a free kick in a good spot and get a good celebration and stick it to the league. Uh, over his atrocious red card suspension. Um, And so I feel really good that we could come away with a 2-0 victory on the road, uh, come back home and have a a good game against Union Omaha, uh, and everyone feel really good again.
0: Yeah, and that's that's the hope. I'm going to go full nerd here and go over some of the stats from that game that was at CHI Memorial because I think some of these are, are really interesting. So first and foremost, possession is the most useless stat in soccer, except for when you can use it to your advantage, which is what I'm going to do here. So, you know, Richmond had 55% of the possession and zero shots on target. Those two things combined tell you we were letting them have the ball, but not in positions that they wanted it. They had eight shots, those are those type of shots where like the guy shoots you are like, oh, cool. Thanks for the free kick or thanks for the goal kick. Like they were not quality shots is what you read into that. And then mm-hmm. also them having a lot more passes than us is also a sign that we were letting them have the ball. That is not really a blade ball necessarily. Not really what he wants to do, but he's shown a willingness to do it, which resulted in us actually with the counterattacks that we had ending up with four shots on target. And you're 100% right. Except for a great save, we win that game two nothing. Another kind of running trend for this it's team is what's that? <laughs> a, it's yeah. Another running trend for this team is we we have a lot of fouls. And how many of those fouls are because of the style we play? How many are because of poor poor key, poor refing? That's for you guys to argue over. But four yellow cards in that game, um, 15 fouls. They had 14 fouls and three yellow cards. That's either a, a ref that loses control, which is what I felt it was. Or, or a rough game. I don't think it was a rough game. I didn't, I didn't walk away from that game thinking we played a rough and I didn't get the impression from watching how the two teams interacted at the end of the game that either team felt that it was a rough game and you don't typically have seven yellow cards given out and not have the, 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 uh, opposing players angry at each other at the end of the game. That says to me, that's poor refing, but it is what it is. Um, all that I to do say,
1: remember I, Richmond keeping themselves upright surprisingly often in that game because they do uh, enjoy the uh, the Harry Kane school of falling down and then kicking people in the ankle.
0: Well, and I I also remember Tzargi to, to to I can never pronounce his name correctly doing his classic I'm old and fall over a lot and the ref pointing to him and telling him to get up like basically saying I'm not falling for that crap this time early in the match which I think set that tone. Um, but then he lost control at the end because he. all of our refs don't know how to hold control of a game for more than maybe 20 minutes. But um, I'm with you. I expect this to be a game where we really could go in and, and, and win it. Um, I do think just historically we're, we're, we've we been struggling this year with keeping clean sheets. So I'm thinking more like a 2-1 um, where it's a little bit more, more worrisome. But I think we can get two goals.
1: All righty. I'd say this episode's been long enough. We will be (laughs) back on Thursday to give you a breakdown of the game against Richmond uh, and get everyone ready for uh, Union Omaha coming to town on Saturday. And so we look forward to that. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.
0: Bye. Bye.